like when people ask me like what's the what's the key to you getting where you are is not being afraid to call somebody and be like hey can you put my stuff on your walls it's fire black creativity is unstoppable the studio noise podcast takes you into the studio with black artists and creatives making the art that moves the culture you get to feel all the inspiration, technique, and passion behind the people making paintings, making sculptures, making prints, making noise. It's the Studio Noise Podcast with your host, Jamal Barber. It's the noise. Yes, it's your boy, Jay Barber. On this podcast, you know, we only want you to go out and live your best life, your best art life. Spend more time making more noise. Whatever it is that you do. Today's guest been doing that for a long time. Her husband's an artist, her kids, her job, everything. Zudeka and Zinga Terrell has going on is about living her passion. She's a self-taught artist, and we talk about that development and mentorship she got over the years. She's the vice president of Black Artists of DC, has been doing murals, painting, all kind of good stuff, you know. It's another great conversation with a working black woman artist. And you know we love talking to sisters about what they do oh and, and mother's day just passed so happy mother's day to zudeka and all the other mothers out there all the black mothers that we've talked to on the podcast all the ones that's listening and all you know all the people that is soon to be listening <laughs> it's gonna listen one day you know what i'm saying get everybody to listen to the noise and you can go to studionoisepodcast.com and see some of the featured articles read transcripts for the show become a patron of the show just like my man cyrus bokeem What's going on, man? Appreciate the support, brother. That's what I'm talking about, yo. You got to keep us going. He, he's on his way to get to exclusive Studio Noise t-shirt and bonus episodes. Just by subscribing to Patreon, you can do the same thing. Go ahead and support the show. You support the show, and I'm going to keep bringing you the very best black artists that I can find and get scheduled. <laughs> Come on the show. I'm going to keep it going. Keep you inspired every week. Like always, all you got to do is share this episode with two art lovers. Tell them, it's the noise. You got to listen. We got Sudeka and Zinga Terrell after the break, baby. It's the noise. Yes. This is Wesley Clark here with the family at Studio Noise. I'm official alumni now. Studio Noise with a Z, baby. All right, it's your boy Jay Barber, Studio Noise. I'm back, heading up to the D.C. area. Had to holler at my girl, Sadeka Nzinga Terrell. Am I right? Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yo, she's an artist doing her thing. Her and her family, her whole life built around art. So that's what I, I really loved and wanted to talk to her. You can catch her work at Zudeka on Instagram. And you can go to Terrell Arts D.C., Dot com where you can see her and her husband's work. We'll talk about that as we go along. How you doing, girl? I'm doing fantastic. How about you? I'm chilling, yo. I'm chilling. So uh, glad to get to talk to you. You a fan of the podcast. So, you know, I always love that. I give you extra points for that already. Oh, boop, boop, boop. I, I'm a stalker <laughs> of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what's up, yo. So you you have been doing some interesting stuff along the lines. Good to follow your story on Instagram. And, you know, see all the stuff that you're doing. So how you been like doing this pandemic, like coming out of it? Like, how you feeling? Uh, the pandemic's been wonderful. I'm actually a little bit disappointed that people are about to start going back outside again. 
I think when it first started, because I independent contract with education as well. So when it first started, I think I had a moment of completely freaking out, like, okay, like, what is like this supposed to look like? Yes, because at first they said two weeks, and then like two or three months later, everything started getting canceled. And I was like, oh my God, what is about to happen? Um, and then summer got to pop in, and that was great for Black art. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, oh. it was. We have like a, a renaissance a happening. Yeah, it was a crazy moment, right? You know, yeah. man, you just suppose it with all the, you know, George Floyd and all that stuff, but uh, it was like this extreme interest in black stuff. Like, yes. like you know, everybody want to examine critical race theory and, you know, <laughs> right. collect black art all of a sudden. So it was different, you know, but, but you rode the wave, but you rode the wave. Yeah, I was really excited because I felt like I had done a lot of work kind of establishing myself. And so I just like when everything started really blowing up in terms of like people seeking black art and representations of people talking about black art, like my phone started ringing off the hood. Uh, my, my email blew up and all of these different opportunities really opened up. And for me, because I do, I'm, you know, I'm not just a fine artist, but I do arts education and I'm curating. So I ended up with opportunities to also showcase a lot of other Black artists and put other Black artists into certain positions. So that was like really fun. And this was primarily in the D.C. area or other places? Primarily in the D.C. area, but even um, on my page, I have started to kind of dabble a little bit in some art dealing. And so being able to like I had such an influx of um, people who wanted to collect. And so what ended up happening is like I was able to direct some of my previous collectors to some new people. So I have this brother um, out of Nigeria, Easy Franklin. I was able to start sending people to his page to buy things. I was posting my husband's work. And so people were starting to buy things more from him. Um, I got a grant for with the DC Commission of Arts. And so we had 21 DC art teachers, some who had never shown work before, be able to show on a really huge platform um, in the area. And so, you know, it, it was just it was an exciting time. That's what's up. So, so in, the, in the DC community, how long have you lived in DC? Coming up on 10 years. So I'm That's originally from Denver and um, I always wanted to be in D.C. When I was a child, I said that I was going to go to Howard and be a, a famous artist in D.C. <laughs> and everybody was like, That's nutter butter. But OK. <laughs> and I went through a whole bunch of other windows. I did. I, I ended up getting a journalism degree and working in journalism. I went to Hampton. I kept doing all this stuff going around DC and I moved yeah. to Atlanta for a little while. And I have a friend here who called me and was like, sis, I've known you for like 20 years. And for all 20 years, all you ever talk about is being in DC. Come on. And so I came up here and have been here ever since. What was it about DC? Like, why would you fixate it on it? Okay. Don't judge me. Okay. <laughs> This is judgment-free zone. You can be black. You can be black any way you want to on this show. Listen, so don't don't at me, y'all. At first, I don't really know. I've always just like loved the idea of a DC, and I think that perhaps growing up in Denver, where there isn't, there's a lot of black people in Denver, but it's there's not like a um, concentrated black community. And mm -hmm. so I think like younger, that idea of like Chocolate City was really intriguing to me. What it is to live around like people who look like you and go to stores that are owned by people who are like you. Um, but then like when I got older, DC, like all the brothers in DC have these long, beautiful dreadlocks. 
And I was like, oh my God, I have got to go be in this sea of locks. And so now I'm out here and everybody has them and it's annoying. I'm just like, oh, oh you put your little crinkly waistless hair out here. Like everybody <laughs> But it was like, I was like, I'm trying to go be around some of these brothers with their locks and like hey, everybody's hey. smart. I love it. I love it, yo. Whatever gets you there, yo. That's all, you know, that's all that matter. Yeah. I ended up marrying somebody. He don't have locks. Like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but the, you had to start somewhere, though, I guess. All right. Yeah. But the first time I visited here, I was a freshman in college. We came up to Howard for a journalism convention. And I, it was a couple weeks after September 11th. So the energy was weird. But I was sold. Like, as soon as we crossed into the district, I was like, oh, I might drop out of school. <laughs> and <not> come back. <laughs> That's what's up. So at what point did you start getting into the art? I know you're self-taught and doing what you do. Yeah, so forever. I've always been an artist. Um, I was the kid who, when I was in second grade, I used to color earrings for people to match their outfits every day and sell it to them for lunch money till I got in trouble. <laughs> um, I had this teacher when I was in second grade who was like this hippie white woman. And I'll never forget, we were in class and she would play music while we were drawing. And um, Eric Clapton, Tears from Heaven, came on. And we were all like, ah, we hate that. Nobody wants to hear this song. So she stopped it. And she was like, this is a song about his child falling out of the window and dying and like, like was super shocking. And then she made us listen to it over and over again for the next like hour and draw based on like how it felt for us to find that out. And like, from that point, I was just like, art is magical. Like, I got to figure out what this looks like. And so, you know, when I was growing up, I was always like the super smart one. So my parents wanted me to be an attorney. They wanted me to go to like Ivy League schools. Um, and I just wanted to draw. And so I, I followed what they said for a while. I went to college. I studied journalism. I, I got a job with a newspaper. I, I did what I felt was the right thing, quote unquote. Um, and then at the end of the day, I just was continuing to draw. And so in the early the late 90s, early 2000s, there was like this explosion in spoken word. And so, you know, I was like 18 and I was traveling around the country doing poetry and drawing pictures on the side and then putting my art on the covers of my poetry books. Um, and oh, I'm about then, to, I thought you were about to say you were selling CDs. Like I was doing Trump. that too. Oh Lord, girl. Okay. That's <laughs> I was doing up. that too. I had a little You still hoopsie. got some? You still got some? Let me get one. Yo, my dad just mailed me a box <laughs> of all this old stuff. And inside that box is a bunch of poetry CDs. Oh, and see, you got to send your boy one. Yo, send I was listening to myself cracking up laughing because <laughs> I was in my mad black phase at the time. So it was like, revolution, brother, where is your spirit at, I love sir? It. You know, like it was a lot. <laughs> I love it. That's what I'm talking about, yo. <laughs> But like that fed the art, like being around so many different people. I'm staying at all these different strangers' houses all over the country. It was actually hella dangerous when I really <laughs> think that. But, yeah, but I don't was recommend having, it to my daughter. Don't yeah, listen to her. <laughs> nah, don't don't be out there like that. I don't know what it is when you're like between 18 and 21 and you just feel invincible. Invincible, yeah, that's what it is, yo. Right. So, and I had people like they would come stay at my house and I booked them doing all these shows. So I was just like exposed to a lot of different people and kind of taking that in to like draw on the side. And I started teaching art 
like shortly after after that. And um, in the city where I'm from, I decided to start a black art festival. And so um, we have, so Denver has one of the biggest black arts festivals in the country, oddly enough. Oh yeah? What's yeah. the name of it? It's the, it's, at that time it was the Denver Black Art Festival. Now it's the Colorado Black Art Festival. Okay. Um, but it, because it was so big, it focused on like international black art and it was hella expensive. And so like, if you were just a local artist from the city, it was hard to get into. Right. So I was like, well, I want to start one that's smaller, that's like more geared towards people who are local. So I went to the Sankofa Art Collective, which was the Black Art Collective at the time. And I was like, hey, I'm trying to have this festival. Like, can you guys come support? And they were like, we'll support if you join the art collective. And I was like, eh, <laughs> I'm like, not that good. <laughs> like, I do this for fun. And um, so, you know, I applied. They looked at my work and said the same thing. Like, no, you're really not that good. But I think you'll be great later. <laughs> so like, come on. <laughs> That's and tough so, love for you right there. I man, love it. And <laughs> those ladies, like, took That's me awesome. up under the wing. Like, listen, boo, this ain't the way. <laughs> but but it's going to be one day. <laughs> Yeah, I love that, yo. <laughs> if not for them, who would, right? Yeah, exactly, yo. You need somebody. Somebody had to tell you. Yeah. Like, point, you know. And just keep it real, and just like, and in a way that still made me want to pursue, and yeah, still yeah. like and, and, giving me nudges, like, hey, try this, like, hey, yeah, try and they, this. And they took the second step, and the second step is to help you, right? Right. Like, it did not, right. did not just tell you, leave you out there, like in the wilderness, like lost, like. You know, <laughs> phone around like they they gave you the help in hand i love that right nobody was like hey you should never draw again <laughs> um, which they could have because i was clueless you know i knew i wanted to paint and i've always been able to like draw something if i have a picture of it but yeah. i wanted to paint so like i legit went to hobby lobby and bought some canvas and some oil paint no turpentine <laughs> no oil to like mix it down like all I was wrong. Wrong dog just all painting. wrong oh, just <laughs> Oh. I love it. That, see, but that's that's where you start at. But you had the desire, right? And you, yes. You, you spent your money to do it. That's what's up, yo. Yes. Yes. Both feet. Both feet. You were just like. <laughs> I just got to jump in. I'm an Aries, so I just got to jump in. I love it. <laughs> so that's really like how I got started. It was like just having it, it opened up all these opportunities for people like, hey, come put some art here and like put me in rooms with people who really could give me support. And then I left Denver. I went to Atlanta and same thing, like brothers really, like the elder brothers really just took me in. And, you know, so this brother, James Lee Brooks, like really sat down with me and really just worked with me. And he would give me these critiques. And one of the things he said, he was like, you know, you really got a, a good understanding of like figure and technique, but you have no concept of color. And for me at that time, I didn't even, cause I didn't go to art school. So I didn't even know that like color was a thing. Like I like red, I put red right here. <laughs> I like yellow, right. I put yellow right here. And he was like, no boo, <laughs> you need to get some color theory books. Um, which I think really changed my life. And so then I got to DC and I met my husband and he's an acrylic painter. And he was like, sis, you need to be using acrylic for what you're trying to do. Like oil <laughs> is not a, a good look. Um, and so he, I switched over hanging out with him and have been an acrylic painter ever since. That's what's up. What, so what was, what do you think the, the piece was like the one piece that you remember that, that you thought you figured it out? Like as you as you was going, 
Um, I think that I don't know if there was like one specific piece that I was like, okay, here we go. I think that it was like I was so I was out painting live with like oil bars. And I had some water soluble oil at the time, but it still takes days to dry. Yeah. And so it's like when you're painting and, you know, I'm trying to paint something in two hours and sell it and you can't do that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a disaster waiting to happen. Oh, it gets <laughs> yeah. all muddy. Yeah. And then like the person's trying to put it in their car and it's just a wreck. <laughs> it's just a bad look. And so I think that there was a couple things like practicality, like that just didn't work. And so. Right. For me, I, I always thought acrylic would dry too fast. Like it's you got to work so quick. You have to make decisions so fast. And at that time, painting was like a really emotional experience for me. So it wasn't something that I wanted to happen. I didn't want it. I wanted. I thought I was like creating like from an organic space when it was still kind of moist and still like merging together. Because I wasn't contemplating that putting all those colors on top of each other when they're not set is going to dull it out. Right. Um. So I think that it was like starting to experiment with um, some of the things that I could do with like canvas. He gave me a, a, this big roll of like cold pressed paper and being able to like water the paint down, dump it on, like make a mess. And then it's dry in an hour. I could paint over it was like, oh, well, I might like this. Um, and so, I, you know, I think it, it grew from there. So I sat on like YouTube and started to watch a bunch of videos about like, well, how do I actually use the acrylic paint? And I think I probably still use a lot of, uh, um, of oil techniques. Like I'm big on underpainting still, mm -hmm. but um, really like learning to experiment with it was really a big change for me. So as you were going, how did you develop uh, your subject matter or did you like start to think of it in a different way as you were as you were learning more techniques? Definitely. I've always been into figures. Um, I knew I wanted to paint figures and paint black figures. I wasn't at first really sure like long term what that was going to look like. Um, but I think because I'm self-taught, I felt that if I could paint something that was photorealistic, then I was good enough to then like if I wanted to try to abstract the figure, or try some new things with it, I could. Mm -hmm. So I focused for a lot of years on just trying to get to um, photorealistic painting or, or like as close as possible. And so when I first got to D.C., that's actually how I was paying my bills, like painting people's babies, painting people's husband, wedding gifts, like those type of things. But it's, it was very boring for me after a certain time because it got formulaic, like okay, you know, I know what the dimensions of the face are. I'm just going to sketch that out and paint it. it. Like there was no emotion in it for me. Yeah. And, you know, everybody's, I had this, <laughs> I had this experience where I painted this sister. She commissioned me to do a self-portrait. And I realized that a lot of people don't really like know what they actually look like. And so <laughs> like I brought her this painting and I stand behind the quality of it. Like if it was bad, I'm I'm real. I'll say it was bad. This, it was a good painting. She was like, oh, my God, you made me so fat and dark. Is this how you see me? And I'm standing there like because I don't know what to say to that. Like, I don't want to be like, well, you are fat and dark. Like, yikes, you know, like, wow. but she like went off and like chased me out Man. the house, like wow. to pay for it. It got real crazy. So after that, I was like, I don't want to be painting no commissions of folks anymore. Because y'all give me these pictures of your ugly baby. And then I got to paint the baby the way the baby oh, looks. Lord. But y'all want me to like fix it. And or people come in and be like, can you, you paint my, my grandma? Baby, yeah. 
yeah, like, why are we doing this? Like, or they give me these pictures, like, can you paint a picture of my grandma? And I'm like, sure. And then they give me a picture and she's like in the fifth row of like a hundred people at the church. And it's a photo from 1927. So it's dark (laughs) and grainy. And they're like, can you just add her whole body? And I'm like, I don't know your Mima. How am I supposed to like manifest her? Onto Candace and you didn't give it to me. That's it. You know what? I I like this story because because that's kind of it's not my story in particular, but I know that story, right? Because like I started off doing like art walks and like doing small shows at coffee shops and stuff like that, and that's the hustle, right? It's like you you're you're there at a moment where you're trying to use your talent to sustain yourself. I mean, so what else do you do? You contact and try to give people what they want. But that has a list of problems that go along with it. So as <laughs> as long as you know, it's it's good for people that can that do it. And when you find the right people with the right attitude that's willing to pay you, which is another thing that is always a problem. You know, it's always cost too much. You know, it's fifty dollars, and it's like, damn, are you fifty whole dollars? <laughs> like Jesus. But it's like, like no, nah, like what do you want me to do it for free? I mean, come on, yo. So that's I, I, true. so that 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 hustle is is so important because that's kind of where a lot of people start like especially when you're trying to make money off your artwork so i like i love that story how long did you how long will you end up doing that like how many years uh i did that for about two years and then i went back to teaching (laughs) (laughs) forget this i was like y'all stressing me out (laughs) going back to the babies oh man (laughs) because i was like Cause you know, in DC, you could hustle, like you could set your art up on the street and just sell stuff. Yeah, so yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, well, you know, that was like part of the appeal of the city was I could just set up and sell stuff and kind of get to know people when I was new here. And so people would just say weird things, you know, like I was out in Columbia Heights one time, it's vendors all up and down the street. I got my little art set up and this lady comes up and she's like, do you need help? And I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, you know, I got some addresses for some hostels if you need a place to stay. And I was like, sis, what about my presentation made you think I was homeless? Like, I literally have like jewelry that I make that's nice and like paintings. Like, it just was weird. And so I was like, I'm going to go back to teaching until like something else (laughs) happens with this. That's a lot. That's a lot. Well, you know, that's what you get when you're on the street, yo. When you're out yeah. there, like, working in it. Like, I used to do that same thing with the art walks. You know, always out there fighting for attention, you know what I mean? Right. And you at these festivals with all these people. And yep. then they're comparing prices from booth to booth and trying to argue with you. Yeah. It's a lot. But actually, one of those times changed my life because I remember at that time, I was selling artwork for, like, two or $300 for, like, big pieces. And just because, you know, I'm new to the city, I don't know anybody, I'm just trying to make sure I could get from day to day. And I had a day I was in a bad mood. I didn't have no money. I had run completely out. I had a child. I had, like, a my daughter was, like, four at that time. And you know, I'm, I'm stressing out. And so I was out there and I was like, I'm not selling anything for under 1500 today. And cause I, I felt like I needed to get through more than the week. And so all these people came up and, you know, $1,500, good <laughs> Lord, that's a lot of money. And you know how, you know, the like rigmarole back and forth yeah. that happens. But one person said yes and scanned that credit card. And for mm-hmm. me, that was like a breakthrough and a complete shift in how I approached my work and selling my work and valuing myself and valuing my work. Oh yeah. Now, now, now that's a, that's a good story right there. 
See, because it is, it becomes a, you hit a point where you do need to think more about this thing has a value rather than like what I have to do for the day. Now, that's a certain amount of privilege that you have too to be able to do that because, you know, obviously if you, if you can't pay your rent, you need money. So, like, <laughs> you know, uh, but that's, that's one thing that always comes and interferes with the marketplace because if I, because that's one reason I stopped doing it. If I come and I know my art has a value and like I'm selling my paintings or it was prints and selling them for a reasonable to my, my mind, reasonable price. But the guy sitting in the front is selling his prints for fifty dollars. Uh, you know, he, he's a, he doesn't set the market because that's the first person right. they see. So by the time they get to me, they just think I'm some some bougie asshole that's just making trying to bleed people dry. Like nah, like <laughs> this stuff has a value. And so mm-hmm. that that system, you have to have the right attitude to be able to like navigate it. Like I give a shout out to all those people that do like the traveling festivals. Oh man. Like, you know, go and set up. They just travel from place to place and have they booth and they all the stuff set up and like, you know, the walls and, and all that good stuff. Like yes. I was it's, doing it's, that it's, for it's a while too. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hustle, yo. It's a hustle and it takes a certain amount of skill to be able to survive it. Like and an you organ, have to be an organization. Rude. I think that's <laughs> I think that's one of the yeah. things I learned is like you have to get to a point where you're just rude and like where people be like, Oh my god, and walk away and you just don't even emotionally invest because they do, they will come up and be like, Well, so and so is selling theirs for this much and having to be yeah. like so and so is watering down the market and somebody <laughs> should holler at them about that. <laughs> That's not me. Like either you're my client or you're not. Y'all don't complain when y'all go to the Louis Vuitton store and y'all throw that fifteen hundred down for a pair of sneakers. Like yeah. the Louis Vuitton people don't hear nothing. So don't come to my booth with all of that, like, <laughs> oh, can you bring it down? It's a, this is a high end brand. And so like I started <laughs> telling people that, like when they would come and be like, oh, it's expensive, it's high end boo. If you're a Walmart type, you need to go to the Walmart booth. If this is Macy's and above. <laughs> I love it, yo. I love it. So so when do you think it started to switch for you and you started to, to do other things? You know what? Weirdly enough, when I started to ask for more money, yep. like, and I know that sounds crazy, but when I started to ask for, when I stopped being like, oh, it's $200 and started saying it's 2000 people took the conversation shifted and the language shifted. And, you know, of course, you're always going to have people that are like, that's too much and walk away. But I think that it indicated a difference in the caliber of artists that I was working to be. And so Mm -hmm. then people started to invite me into spaces with that caliber of artists. So instead of like just doing and no shade to like the little street festival, the little local festival. But yeah, a lot the little of times, festivals, right? The little festivals, right? Ain't no wrong, no <laughs> ain't no wrong with your little festivals. No, <laughs> sometimes that's what gets you through. But a lot of times you're not going to necessarily make that three thousand dollar painting sale that's at a right. like corner type festival because it's not that type of market. And so, you know, when you're starting to like present your business and present your artwork that way, I think that it kind of moves you into a. a circle of people who are having that same type of conversation and then they have opportunities excuse me that hopefully they'll share with you and hopefully that they'll open the doors to you 
Um, and so I ended up out here. Uh, my husband like told me about Black Artists of DC. So I joined Black Artists of DC and they had at that time a lot of different group exhibitions. And so I started to just exhibit every time that they had a call for art and then learning about like, oh, there's calls for art. Like you can Google your city and call for art and like all these opportunities start to come up. And so I think I spent maybe a year or two just applying for everything and mm -hmm. <laughs> getting into a lot of stuff, but also just like uh, wasting a lot of money applying for stuff that wasn't a good fit. <laughs> yes, that's um, probably the entry fee. The entry oh, fee man. Struggle. And just trying to be <laughs> everywhere. And so I, th I think I finally got to a point where I was like, I'm going to research who's on the jury. And like, right. has go. this gallery ever shown a black person before? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it has, it's funny, but that's that's super important that you say that because like this stuff has a history to it. Right. And, the, and there are some places that are just more welcoming towards our black artists and, and our vibe that we're trying to bring than other people. Very much. And, you know, one thing I noticed, too, with talking to galleries is that some galleries don't understand uh, the quote unquote black art market. And so like one thing that I think was I've been lucky in is growing up in Denver. I know how to talk to white people about the fact that white people buy black work that like I'm not mm. exclusively marketing my work just to black people just because my subject matter is black figures right. or is rooted in my culture. White people love my work as well. Hispanic people love my work as well. Asian people love my work as well. Like it's, it's not. And so like having that conversation with the gallery of like, yo, I could sell this in Denver. You just need to like expand how you think about the market that's coming into your gallery. Like it's opened a lot of doors. It's also been very stressful. <laughs> as, as, I don't as, always want to have to educate, you know. Yeah, you know, as being black in any space is, is sometimes <laughs> has its own problems. I, I feel you. No, nah, but it, I mean that's that's a real conversation that you have to have because um, you know, but you know, I tackle it with this podcast a little bit where you know I just put it right in the name. Like this is a black art podcast, and it kind of you know it's going to separate people because if you have a a narrow like a strange view of what art can be that doesn't include figures that are melanated, right? You, you're going to have a problem like listening to this podcast and just hearing like people that can paint, like we can paint anything. We just happen to be black. Uh, mm -hmm. So our vibe is going to be different, but like it's art just like any other podcast is about art, except I'm just giving space to people that you probably never considered to be an artist, like just because of your, your, your biased opinion about, about people's skin color. It's so interesting that you say that too, because I just, so I just took a position as vice president of Black Artists of DC. Look at you. And I like, look, I'm climbing up. <laughs> so I didn't know what an artist call was. Now I'm, now I'm look, in charge. Like, now I'm running things. <laughs> so the president, she's new as well. We just, so we just, they, they just changed leadership and they put, you know, two women in charge. And so we're going to these meetings with these different galleries to present, you know, like, hey, we want to like connect with you guys, talk about your proposal process for opportunities to get our members um, into some different type of galleries. And they always try to like start redirecting the conversation into this like Black Lives Matter. Can you guys <laughs> do some art to like educate these white people? And we always have to be like, listen, 
we are an organization of world renowned artists. There are people in our organization who have shown in museums all over the world, but because y'all see black on it, you assume that this is just like a little backyard collective because like in that, in that world, they don't have to contemplate black art as something that is like high art or fine art. And so I feel like, you know, podcasts like this organizations like ours really have to like make sure that we're pounding in like no these are incredible artists these are amazing artists and it's y'all's fault that y'all didn't include uh the the amazing art that we do exactly so (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) we vibing we vibing today we vibing today Hey guys, it's Nika Kang, the Braille Illustrator, and you are listening to Studio Noise. Yo, so so last year, I know that you and your husband did a show, and you talked about um, how the pandemic kind of changed your work a little bit, and how uh, it led to a shift. Tell me about that shift. Well, you know what? No, let's go back a little bit more. Tell me about your husband and how y'all met and and how y'all ended up like doing these collaborations together. Oh, man, you about to crack up laughing. So my Uh husband, I got this. um, (laughs) You about to crack up laughing for a couple of reasons. So when I first moved to D.C., I think I had been here four or five months and I I took a a mural for two hundred (laughs) dollars. to do a mural on this huge wall. (laughs) So (laughs) the whole $200 and probably then some went towards supplies. (laughs) Like, but I was just like, look, I'm just trying to get up. You just want to get up. Yeah, you're just trying to get (laughs) up. I feel you. I feel you. But it happened to be right across the street from Howard. And he's a Howard alum. So he's like, my husband's all degree. So it's funny, we're opposites because he's all degreed up. He's got a master's in painting from Howard, a master's in painting from Parsons, a master's in theology from Union. Like he got degree, degree, degree. And so he was driving past one day and saw the mural. And he he said to me, and I quote, he wondered why he did not get that space. (laughs) (laughs) So he came to a party. He saw he got a flyer um, that I was doing this. I was doing this like pop up art party at this um, vegan restaurant up the street from the mural. And so he saw a flyer for that. So he decides he's going to come to the party to kind of see, like, who is this person? that got this, um, that got this mirror (laughs) here. And like, why? (laughs) Um, So he came and real talk, like, you know, everybody's running up. And when they find out you're new to the city, everybody's got like advice for you. Call me, girl. I'm going to help get you put on, you know, like. But he was the only person who came up and he was like, yeah, I'm an artist. I got some, you know, I can can introduce you to some people so you can do some shows. But he handed me a postcard that had actual art on it. That was like, I was like, okay, this is cool. So I called him back of everybody else. And it turned out that we lived up the street from each other. So we went to, uh, we met up for lunch. And he was so rude. Like, he pulled up his art on the computer and like slid the computer in front of me. And then he went and sat at the bar. 
And I was like, <laughs> he's like, hey, look at this girl. Look, look at this yeah, art, girl. Like, look at this. I ain't even gonna say that now. Let this art speak for me, girl. All right. You see it? You so off it? top, and then I felt so elementary school because off top, I was like, he's not even trying to holler. So like, that intrigues me because like, <laughs> I'm not having to like. It worked. That's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, it worked, yo. <laughs> he yeah. didn't even seem interested. He seemed like all he wanted to talk about was art. So I was like, I, you oh, win. Man. My man like, is yes. smooth. Oh, man. I think I might have got played. (laughs) So then he tells me, he says, um, oh, I can introduce you to this place that I've done some art. And you could talk to them about maybe putting some art in one of their shows. And I'm like, cool. So we drive out to the Banneker Douglas Museum in Annapolis. We get in there. What he does not tell me is that he has a retrospective on two floors (laughs) of the museum. So he like comes in and he's like, yeah, you know, I just met her. This is day, you know, why don't you go walk around in there? And he stands at the door, like chit chatting with the guy. Yo, I love it. Yo, that's swag. Yo, that's super so, swag. I love I it. In, and I'm pissed because I'm like, why did you feel like you didn't need to clarify like what type of show this is? They got a big banner of him and his band. <laughs> Days and another banner that he's coming to preach a yo, service. I'm gonna let you see it. Yeah, I'm gonna let you see it, yo. Like, I, ain't gotta, I ain't gotta say it. I ain't gotta say it. <laughs> you so, see it. <laughs> so now you see I'm the like, banner? <laughs> like, just say so, bro. Yeah, you see the banner, yo. You know what it is. <laughs> like, you saw popping at me and whatnot. Like, what is this? Yeah, uh, that's that's if I could have cool. took him back to Denver, yeah. So that's how we met. Like, and we just ended up after that kind of hanging out all the time. And I had this um mentor who lived around the corner named Steve, who Steve used to, he like he loved Steve would get drunk, 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 drunk. And <laughs> start, and he would critique your art and he could be like mean, 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 but he was right. And so I would be hanging out with him and he would he would be talking to me about like trying some different approaches and stuff and, and just drinking, drinking, drinking. And I told him, I said, I met this dude. And he said, well, have him come over. And so my husband came over. He, he had just left church. He had on this all white suit. And Steve was like, hell nah. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> nah, like, and we ended up like hanging out. And so Steve was finally like, OK, OK, I like this dude. Like, this is a this is a nice dude. So we just we became really good friends. And. Ended up falling in love, hanging out on on my homie's back porch painting. Yeah, you saw the banner. You knew what was up when it was time. Yeah, I was like, oh, <laughs> let me jump on this. <laughs> like, wait a minute. That's okay. also, yeah. So, so, and your, and your husband's name is James, James Terrell. Yes. Y'all, y'all look him up too, uh, everybody out there listening. But, but so y'all, y'all approaches were so different, right? Like, at w- when did y'all decide to like start mixing it together and start to do and collaborate and work together on stuff because most artists i tell you like especially like a husband and wife like team duo i only know one other one that's maurice evans and grace kisa and they they work together on collaborations too but they also maintain like a super separate practice and and specializing in like a lot of different things but they have this collaborative thing y'all check some of the episodes out uh, from of the new africans uh check the episode out of studio noise but yeah, so so how did y'all end up like working together, and, and was it like a smooth fit? Because he's he like you said, he all agreed up, and you like figuring stuff out as you go along. Like, what was up? Um, yes and no. I think we do the same where we both have our own like real strict ways that we do our work. But I think that 
a couple things were happening. Like when we were sharing a studio for a while. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were working to, in the same space at the same time. And so, you know, you start to kind of have that natural feedback of like, hey, try this, you know, hey, do this. And like sitting and like critiquing each other's work. Um, and then I think that I think the first time it was just like a curiosity thing. And we both, you know, we're always looking at source photos. And there was a picture that both of us liked. And so we were like, let's both paint it like separately and see what happens. And so we were painting. We did like a Josephine Baker. Uh, we did another one with the lady smoking. And we just like took a couple of the same pictures and painted them separately and then would like post them together so people could kind of articulate the differences in our styles and in our techniques. Um, and so at that time, you know, like I was definitely more of a free flowing artist and he was more like structured and into more technique where I was painting more from an emotional space. So one night I brought him to, um, I was live painting at something and they had asked me to paint um, Malcolm X, I think. And I didn't really have time to like get the underpaint together so I could be finished with it in the, it was like a two, three hour event. And so um, he draws real good and he draws real fast. So I asked him like, can you draw this out for me? So he drew it out real quick. And then I was like, well, just come on and like, we can paint. So I was, so he drew it up and finished drawing it on the stage. And then I came up to start painting. And then he came up like right behind me and started painting over what I'm painting. And I'm looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> That's disrespectful. Thought, like that up. Let me paint a little bit. And then you can come on and paint a little bit. And he's all, oh, nah, girl, just go with the flow. You know, <laughs> so I'm it's like. Why are you doing this? But it turned out really dope. And somebody came up and bought it like right after. So we were like, oh, okay. So we started to just um, do it a little bit more where sometimes we were painting on something at the same time. He'll mm -hmm. draw something out and toss it to the side and say he doesn't like it. And so I'll pick up some of his pieces sometimes and like I collaged one of his pieces um, with fabric that he just had tossed to the side. Um, I painted one that he had just tossed to the side. Um, and as, as we started to evolve in doing that, we started, um, going back and forth on pieces. So like right now we have a couple pieces where, um, I found the source photo, he drew it out and then I take it and change it from the source photo. And then we just go back and forth and we have separate studio spaces now. So I'll have it, I'll do something and then I'll have one of the kids take it up to him and then he'll do something and bring it back. And so I don't really ever know what he's going to do and he doesn't know what I'm going to do. Um, and now because I've gotten more into mixed media and he's still more mo mostly strictly a painter, um, I'm sending him back all kind of wild stuff. <laughs> he's having to figure <laughs> out how he's going to like, where he's going to jump on on it. <laughs> So um, that's been, and with the shows that we've done together, we've done two different um, series together that traveled that both, both shows had some pieces that were just his, some pieces that were just mine, and at least one piece that we did together. Right. Um, and so right now we're actually working on doing a full set of pieces together and kind of seeing what that looks like or how that takes place. That's dope. It's That's interesting. Dope, it's growing us. Like it's definitely a challenge to try to figure out like how to accommodate somebody else's technique. And you really have to like check into what they do or what they bring to the table as you're adding whatever you're adding. Yeah. I think it's different. Well, you know, part of my practice in printmaking is about collaboration, uh, but it's a little different where if I have an artist that doesn't do prints and I do prints, obviously 
I'm thinking more about how to translate what they do into what I do. So it's not quite what y'all are doing, but I understand what's happening, right? I understand like y'all trying to get to know each other and anticipate, like you might be trying to anticipate a little bit, like what did he do? He can do, he can fill in this section if I do this, like that kind of thing. Like, I, I love that, you know, that's, that brings a particular type of energy to the pieces. Like, do you feel like those pieces are different, better than what you would do on your own? Like, how do you, how do you view them? Um, I don't want to use the term better, but I do think that together, both of our approaches is, makes like the perfect artist because his work is very flat. You know, like he's, he's really into um, color and how color works together, but from a flat space and my work, I'm very into depth. I'm very into shading. I'm very into like multiple levels. And so I think that like his his color work and my depth work complement each other well when we're focused on working together. So the pieces look really different and um, I think have their own kind of vibe to them that I'm really curious to explore on a on a larger scale. That's what's up, yo. So how many pieces y'all think could be in the show together? I would love to do at least 10. Um, oh, yeah. We're on the second one right now. And they take forever because <laughs> we're both working on other things, too. We got a gang of kids. Um, but, you know, <laughs> like, just going, like, he just drew one out. And I just cut up all this fabric and made this whole, like, elaborate outfit on the on the thing and gave it back to him. And he just looked at it like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> on this now so i'm like look bruh paint on this or i'm gonna finish it like <laughs> get it together so <laughs> so hopefully there, there can be at least 10 and, and we it. can kind of show something and mix it up <laughs> that's what's up yo that's 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 gonna be fun it sounds fun already but that would be that would be something else so let's let's just talk about just you and your technique a little bit um and we'll describe a piece chilling with bay like describe that and kind of describe your process that goes along with it so Chilling with Bay is based on my living room. Um, this my city, I call it my sitting room where I'm, I'm sitting right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that is so that's my first grown up purchase. I say it's the the purple couch that's in, in Chilling with Bay. It's like I I I had a show a couple of years ago. I sold a gang of pieces and was like, I'm finna I'm gonna drop two G's. I'm gonna get that like, purple couch. I'm gonna get the on set. That Prince. Like, yeah, yes. remember, remember Prince? Yes. Like, yeah, okay. That's what that's I mean. The yeah. set. <laughs> so I love it. That piece, the chair, the whole room is exactly what that part of my house looks like. And that's the chair that's in that part of my house. And so I was, um, I think I was taking a picture of another painting and sitting kind of in the middle of my living room and just looking at like my husband was sitting on the chair. And I was thinking about the fact that we never get to sit on that chair because <laughs> <laughs> my kids like they make a mess, they jump on the furniture. And so we have we have one of those. I never thought I'd be the mom that has one of those black house rooms that the kids can't go in. Yeah, that can't go in like, there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's that room. And so we just don't sit in here. Like everything looks brand new because we don't sit on it. <laughs> like, what's the point of buying a couch you're not gonna sit on? But here we are. So he's sitting on it and I'm thinking like, we never sit on this couch. And I said to him, like, have you and I ever sat on this couch together at the same time? And he was like, no, we've had it for years. <laughs> so I was like, I want to paint a picture about like chilling with my bae on, this, on my couch. And so that one was cool because I took pictures of the living room and then 
Um, I had my oldest daughter take pictures of he and I sitting on the couch together, but because we have never sat on the couch together, we looked so awkward. Like <laughs> it just looked real goofy. <laughs> so I had to use um, a projector with that piece because I drew out the room first and then mm. I had to find um, a couple that was like sitting in a way that did not look like they were trying to figure out how to be in the same room together. <laughs> and <laughs> so I ended up projecting that over the top of the sketch. And so that particular piece, um, it has a couple of elements of things that I was working on, particularly at the beginning of last year, which is like uh, we with fabric weaving. So I have a series of pieces where fabric is like woven into the actual canvas. And so mm -hmm. that has that element. Um, I was doing some like, quilt type of work so cutting up fabric and like laying them out in quilt patterns and so that is included in that piece um i use a lot of decorative paper and so like the wallpaper of that piece is all decorative paper um i have a jungle in my house and so at that time i was really thinking about including more plants um and this is a month or two into the pandemic so i'm also like mentally trying to like find subject matter because typically before that, you know, I would be out and about and I might see a lady at the park drinking tea and be like, oh, that's beautiful. And like, take a picture that, and that's what I'm going to paint. Well, now we stuck in the house. And yeah. the only time I've been out the house is to wait in line for two hours to get in the grocery store. And everybody looked crazy at that time. Cause it was like, is this apocalypse or what? So it's like, people got their head wrapped, their whole face covered, they in pajamas. <laughs> not to touch anything folks got grocery bags on their hands so like that's not inspiring i don't want to paint that <laughs> at all so i ended up starting to have to pull a lot of subject from my house and from the time with my family and the time around my children and the time around my husband um and so that piece is very much about like what it is to start to think about our space differently and think about like how we're engaging our space and interacting with our space my favorite part of that piece is the paintings on the wall i went back to the oil bar wow. so i had i got a grant because you know oil bars can be a little pricey but i got a grant and i was like i'm just gonna buy hella oil bars because i love <laughs> drawing them and i hadn't used them in a long time so i got some oil bars so the three images that are on the wall are like a drunk night of freehand oil bar drawing and like literally i woke up the next morning and came back and was like these joints is tight <laughs> like, i was not yeah. I tried to redo a couple of them big and they didn't turn out <laughs> nearly as yeah, amazing. Yeah, you weren't drunk enough. Yeah, you weren't drunk enough. One <laughs> the vibe. I feel <laughs> I feel it, Joe. That's what's up. I, I love it. And I love um I love the energy of it, you know? Like it, it can be like one of those simple things because it, it is very quilt like, but it is um it's one of those simple ideas that are meaningful to you and because of the execution and love that you put into it it then has meaning to other people. You know what I mean? Well, thank you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, one of the things that last year I really started to explore was I think that we were so inundated with Black trauma and seeing, like, Black people getting murdered on TV and beat and maced and just all of that, like, every single day. Like, oh, the you know, the Rona is hitting Black folks. It was, like, a lot of, like, really, like, negative images and news cycle and whatnot and so 
I didn't want to paint any of that, but I also felt like I had a responsibility, you know, as artists, we are, I guess, supposed to reflect like what's going on in the world. And so that was one of the things that was a challenge to me was like, how do I reflect what's going on in the world, but from a non-traumatic space? I don't want to like, I don't want any paint. I'm not doing a George Floyd painting. I'm not doing like, I don't want to do that. Um, I want to focus on some of the other aspects of what it has been like with the quarantines and things like that and finding just the beauty in those everyday moments and the opportunity to just relax and be around your people. And so, you know, a lot of my work from the last year focuses on scenes in the house, just relaxing and not trying to have, like, I I didn't want to focus the subject on racism, turmoil, like, no, I'm just living my black ass life. And yeah, there you go. on my couch, I'm hanging yeah. out with my kids, I'm in my <laughs> studio. Yeah, that you know, that makes me think of one of your other pieces. And and this piece I think says a lot on a multiple level. So you you might can talk a little bit about it that after the kids are sleeping. Oh, uh yeah. I think I think that I think that it is involved I think it's interesting because it has a lot of layers where one is talking about uh motherhood, right? Like after is after the kids are sleeping. Like it's like all the stuff like in the room that that kind of kids come in like a hurricane into your room, like a tornado <laughs> in your room and like everything is all messed up. But inside of that, in that moment, you're still like getting dressed up for your husband, ready to do, you know, what adults yeah. do, you know, really trying to consent, you know, I, I love it. Like, so, see, you so, got it. Yeah. yeah, I love it. Hey, hey, I'm, I, know, I know the vibes, yo. I know the vibes. <laughs> yeah. So talk. So tell me a little bit about what it's like you being a mother and an artist at the same time and kind of about the moment in that painting too. So um, a couple of things I would say is that being an, uh, when I had, so when I have one child, um, I think that I still could create very freely and very, I know I talked a little bit earlier about like the emotion in the process of creating. Then I have these back-to-back babies and <laughs> <laughs> You don't get to stay up all night and paint anymore. Oh, no. Like, oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they getting up at seven o'clock, no matter what. Yeah. And at the yeah. latest. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's like, I can't, I can't do that. And then, you know, I breastfeed in that. You got to stop whatever you're doing every two to three hours and feed somebody. And then they cluster feed. And so your whole day is a wash because you just watch it. Netflix feeding people <laughs> um, and, and cooking, you know, being a, a uh, you know, I homeschooled my kids. I work from home. My husband still teaches, um, but I'm at home. I'm, you know, my I'm I'm in studio and interacting with them all day. So I'm trying to maintain the house, and I gotta cook for them 19 times a day. And like, all they do is eat and like want stuff. <laughs> um, it never so stops, Joey. It, it never stops. Stop. <laughs> and so it changed my process where I couldn't you know, before I would just freehand paint everything. Like I would be like, oh, I'm gonna paint these two sisters wearing their dresses on their way into church. And I would just go get my my light brown and do a, a wash, do an underpaint wash that sketched it out and then and grow from there. But, you know, you can't stop like when you're painting like that, you have to be able to work for a certain amount of hours because you have to get, yeah. a, you know, you have to get an outline down. You can't stop and step away from it and then come back into it very easily. Yeah. So the kids made me, I had to start like coming up with my concepts ahead of time. And then I didn't draw before that. So I had to start sketching out the drawings because I have to be able to like, I only might have 30 minutes and I can paint the hat. I only have two hours and I can do this, this little section. And yeah. so 
that piece in particular, um, my friend, I have a friend in town and we was having a, a great time. Like, I think we drank a whole bottle of Jameson. Like, <laughs> we was having a fantastic time. And we was like, uh, you know, when you have small kids, you can't, you can't get like out of it crazy drunk and just like be at the house anymore. <laughs> and, but this yeah. was one of those times, like for whatever reason, out of her energy, the kids went to bed early, all of them. And I was like, oh, oh, so, oh, you know, we, oh, Lord. Saying, yeah, we have a good time. And um, and we were like sloppy drunk. And I said to myself, like, I want to show my husband um, the last black man of San Francisco. It's like my favorite movie. I love just the way it's shot, the way the dialogue moves. Beautiful movie. But I wanted to show him the colors drunk because I was like, oh, you know, like when you're kind of intoxicated and you look at these different colors and these different like layers, it, it could be inspiring. So I was like trying to have that type of conversation. So I put the movie on, but he was like roaming around the house acting really crazy. And I'm sitting there waiting for him. And I got my little drink in my cup. And I got my, my I call it my Bill Cosby robe because it's like a little satin robe. So I'm sitting there. And I don't know in my head, I, I didn't even see myself. I was like, I think I look really fly right now. And I think I look like, oh, I got my nursing bra on and I'm popping. So he came upstairs and I was like, babe, take pictures of me. <laughs> oh, Lord. So yeah. that piece. You was feeling is, it that night. Yo, I was gone. I, I had such a good time. But that piece is literally a picture that he took when he came upstairs in the room. And I was like waiting for him to come because I'm thinking like I'm sexy and like, here we go. And I originally I was just going to put me in it. But then I wanted to like really reflect on because like when you have small kids that also sleep in your bed, um, your sexy time becomes creative because <laughs> you don't have time that is a to... perfect way to describe it i love so it the idea that as a mom or as a woman that i could be in a sexual space that my husband could still view me or interact with me in a sexual space meanwhile our baby is in the bed right next to where i'm sitting in the chair and so it's like, how do these things go together? Because typically they're not viewed together. Like typically right. I could be, I can only be a sexy mom when it's date night or when, right. you know, we're in the basement and the kids are upstairs. But like, what happens when I'm a sexy mom? And like, yeah, the baby sleep right there. Like, that's how we know I'm sexy. Cause we got all these kids, <laughs> we all of the beds in the house. Yeah, they ain't get here by accident. We, <laughs> right, you know, we like, made it happen. Yeah. I feel you, yeah. <laughs> So that piece is really like working to explore that. And I wanted to like, I kept the mess, you know, like I think a lot of times we, um, especially when we're painting from real life, you know, we clean it up. Yeah. And I was like, no, the sheets is falling off the bed. They don't match the pillowcase and the sheets don't match. There's clothes on the floor. It's bottles and a bunch of mess all on the back of the bed because that's really what it is. And that's like, I think in a marriage and especially a couple of years into a marriage, what becomes like sexy and what becomes those moments shifts completely Oh yeah, from that like early honeymoon. I got some lingerie to like, yeah. yo, my nursing bra and just the fact that I'm presenting <laughs> as available for this moment is, <laughs> is sexy. You better, yeah, you better come on now. Here's <laughs> what it is. I, I, love it. Like I, I smell like, like cookies. Like, come on. <laughs> Yo, 
I love it, yo, because that that's real life, yo. I've been, I mean, me and my wife, our 15 year anniversary is coming up soon, and oh, you know those those moments, those moments are are what it is, you know. And I, but I love it because that's the it's happiness, it's black joy, like it's energy, like it's love, like right there, and, and you know that's perfect. They always say that like black love a view of it in itself is revolutionary, and so you know I think in my work one of the things that's really been important is like re envisioning how we present like especially black motherhood because i think a lot of times um we center black motherhood in this like single mom narrative this single no, parent home narrative and so being like here's a moment with my husband and our children here's a moment you know that he captured or th that interaction being there i think is really important for us to showcase like what is the importance of black relationship? And I think, you know, I'm assuming you and I are, are in the same like uh, age group. And yeah. so I think that there's been a, a shift because when we were growing up, you know, like the Cosby's was on TV and like those type of shows. So we were really seeing a lot of like black marriage and a lot of like black family. And I think there was a little period of time where that kind of went away, you know, like there's still black couples and black love, but like family, like, we are both together in a household with all of our children and yeah. seeing all of the things that they're going through. I think that like that early, late eighties, early nineties, like that was every black show was family. No, that's true. And everything is, is uh single black motherhood too. Like, so it's not enough uh, in my opinion, of course, as a man, it's not enough about black fatherhood because it's there. Like I know, I've, I've know way more fathers that are there for their kids trying to make it work that are making it work happily and are in the same situations that I'm in, which is, which is in the same situation you in is full of love. It's full of complexity, right? It has moments, but we're there like more than I think the narrative is, is told about us. So I think way more, like, yeah. I don't know any like single parent households like that. Like most of my, most of the people I know are married or have been together. Most of the people I know are married, but have at the very least been together for 10 years plus and taking care of their kids and raising their kids together. And so, you know, I think it's, I'm like, what a weird world it is when just me and my black husband and our black kids walking down the street is revolutionary. You know, yeah, like people true. come up to us all the time, just like, yeah, they, you know, they shake my husband's hand and like congratulate <laughs> us. And I'm just like, okay, <laughs> we made them. We're supposed to take care of them. Like, yeah, what are yeah, we? yeah like, what did you think would happen? Like, I think I would leave. Like, what? Right, like, come on, yo. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, but I mean, I think that's real, yo. And, and that's what I like about it. Like, uh, and I needed, I need to, even in my, well, my new work kind of does it a little bit, but I need to do more emphasis on, like what that means. Like uh, I have a new pieces that deal a lot with the relationship between fathers and kids. Um, but it's that family unit, that dynamic that is so strong that will sustain you like over time, especially when we're talking about two artists where nothing is completely given to you at any given moment. Right. Like mm -hmm. y'all had a good year last year, but you know, maybe it's been some years where y'all didn't have good years. Like what do you do now? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's that type of thing, but you can still like, even through, all the narratives that they have about single motherhood and all this other stuff. Like you still love your husband. You still want to be there with him. He wants to be with you. Like that's a perfect thing to show people. You know what I'm saying? I think that's kind of energy. I think that's probably why it was so successful. I think you sold that piece, right? 
No, I'm holding those. You didn't, oh, you're holding them. Oh, there yeah. you go. That's what's up. I love it. <laughs> I have it. a place that I want them to. I, I, there's a whole series around those that I have a place that I want them to be. And so they are hostage. <laughs> They're staple <laughs> to my studio wall. Matter of fact, <laughs> people come do studio visits and I'm like, you could flip through those, but none of those are available. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd be telling stuff, people, yeah. I done got bold. I'd be like, it's forty thousand dollars. <laughs> Somebody's gonna give it to you one day. And, and, and you know what? If they do, they take that joint right off the wall. <laughs> yeah, I will pull it down and roll it for you. Like, here you go. So yeah, that's that's my new thing. Is I'm it's forty thousand dollars, and I feel like I'm manifesting that client to myself. <laughs> there you go. There you go, yo. I love it, yo. So now the now you now that things are clearing up like what do you have on the horizon oh man so i um so those two pieces are part of um a series called the mini rooms that i am shopping the proposal around um i'm being a little bit finicky because i have a specific place that i want it to be and so i'm trying to like maneuver it into that specific place look at you um, you, you didn't even know what an artist call was now you <laughs> you finicky <laughs> shopping stuff around right <laughs> look no at i'm growth. bold look at like, like that's yeah. how i've been really successful it's like i'll send an email or make a phone call i think that like when people ask me like what's the what's the key to you getting where you are is not being afraid to call somebody and be like hey can you put my stuff on your walls it's fire and like <laughs> having a proposal like i'll shoot you a proposal right now like <laughs> you got to stay ready so you don't got to get ready i love it yes yes <laughs> and um so i am shopping that around i just took over as vice president of black artists of dc so um we're a 501c3 organization that represents black artists in the um, dmv area so that's dc maryland and virginia um so we're like working on moving our organization into a space where we're not the the number one organization that gets called in february like ah, right. there we you go. are pulling out of those type of relationships to become self-sustainable. Uh, we are our own organization and we're going to show our own shows and we have our own collectors. We have our own vibe and we want to work with organizations that and galleries that respect what we bring to the table. So um, I'm really excited about that and just the, the response that we have gotten um, from engaging galleries and museums in that type of conversation. Um, we are i ha so i have a couple shows coming up in the next couple of months like i'm, I'm in the uh, phillips collection which is a museum out here um i have a, a show at a coffee shop gallery and i don't usually do coffee shop galleries anymore but sis is she's bad like she's off the chain the way that she runs her her gallery and her shop is fire what's the um, name of it it's called culture coffee and uh the sister that runs it, her name is veronica and she really, she goes all out for like the, the hanging system is dope and she will get you a band and have a like a thorough opening. And like, she works to actually like get them pieces off the walls yeah. and people like that all show up for any time. No yeah. matter if she wasn't like, look, I'm in the backyard at somebody's house, like come bring some <laughs> art, I'm coming. Cause I, I, I respect that and I appreciate that. And I think that like for people who are coming up to have that opportunity to show and then have artists who are really doing big things still be coming and bringing their people into that space is really important um so yeah we're working on, on those things i just finished a grant um so we're still like doing some of the finishing touches for the grant and maintaining the website and maintaining the um 
virtual tours and whatnot from that grant. I'm working on a, a retrospective right now for an 81-year-old artist out here, James Brown Jr., who is um, an incredible fiber artist, like incredible. And so I want to, um, I'm putting together a show showing 60 years of his work. Wow, um, 60 years. And 60 wow. years. How, and how like, old is he? He's in his he's, he's about to turn 82. Wow. And, you know, what is amazing to me is like, we're sitting down right now, we're archiving his work and like going through all of his work. And so looking at his drawings from 1967, and it's the same thing as now, the police uniform looks different, or mm. like the style of some of the outfits looks a little different, but it's the same issues, the same like conversation around like his, particularly his um, pieces about like social justice and what was going on in America in 1967. It's insane to me that I can look at a piece from 2020 and it's the same. Yeah. Um. So, <laughs> so well, that's, that's like probably a project that's really dear to my heart and, and, really taking a lot of my time that I'm excited about. Yeah. Oh man. And then for awesome. me personally, I'm just painting. I'm having a really good time right now because um I've gotten lucky because I've gotten to a point where like people are really responding to my work and so I can just paint what I want to paint now. Yeah. And um I have collectors that like my new conversation is like people hit me up like do you do commissions? And I'm like occasionally what you want? And, you know, if they say, <laughs> you know, well, I want James Brown. Well, I'm like, well, cool, because I can't really paint James Brown and like sell it, you know, like yeah. <laughs> I got it. If you commission it, then I can paint it. But then I'm like, well, can I just do whatever I want? And, you know, if they say yes, and I'm like, cool, you know, hit me with that 2000 and I'm going to paint whatever I want them. And there you people go. are like, cool. Like, I want whatever you're going to do. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been really a fun, like, opening in my career of just being able to, like, I'm really having fun right now and just, and painting just for fun. Like, if it sells, it sells. And then they do. I feel like, you know, when that relationship kind of shifted where I wasn't painting for money, where I wasn't painting for a show, like, money and shows just came. So. I'm excited about that. I'm excited about next season. Um, DC just really opened up um, for a proposal season. So I, there's a lot of opportunities that we didn't have this year because shows got moved from last right. year to this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of opportunities that are going to open up for next year. And then I've got paintings going to the San Francisco Institute of Art, um, a gallery in Milwaukee, the Five Points Art Gallery. That's just that turned a, a mortuary into a community art center that wow. has a gallery and studio space. So she has a, a political show coming up in June and I have a solo there in January. All right. Look at you. I'm oh, yeah. Good. Sister's oh, mad busy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome, yo. But that's in good, good ways. No, nah, that, that's awesome. No. Nah, oh, that's you know good. what, too? We have, um, we're about more to stuff. You got, yeah, you got more stuff? Yeah, yo. We to keep it busy. <laughs> So for the summer, we're going to drop new shows and new product lines. So right now on our website, everything is um, based on our show, The Color Section, which came out last year. 
And um, so there's a virtual tour of the work. It's me and my husband's work. And then we have a product line that goes with it. So we have leggings, throw pillows, T-shirts, cut sets, shoulder bags, like all kinds of stuff. But it all goes with the color section. And so in the summer, um, the color section is coming down from the website. And he and I are both going to have um, two solo virtual tours on the site. And the merchandise will change to go with the the exhibits. So I've really gotten into like taking um, sections of our work and creating textile designs around them and um, and creating the merchandise from that versus just putting the painting like on the t-shirt. So that's been really exciting. That's cool. What's been the response to that? Oh man, that like that was our bestseller for the longest. Wow. Um, it, I, I have slowed down on it because I don't have time. Like we bought the, um, we were doing drop shipping for a while. And one thing that really helped us last year was we have been doing drop shipping for a couple of years um, through a couple of different companies for our merchandise line. And I told my husband, I was like, well, I just want to buy the printer. We should do this at home and we can save a lot of the money that, you know, like when I'm, when I'm ordering from this company, it costs right, X amount yeah. that they say, like, I could just buy it in bulk and do it at home. Yeah. So we literally, I saved the money and I bought the printers January, 2020. So everything, and then uh, February 1st, I got this check for this mural that we did at this museum. And I took that check and I was like, let me buy like t-shirts, cups, all this stuff in bulk so I can practice. So the second week in March, everything closed yeah. and you couldn't get shipments. And we was making T-shirts. <laughs> we was making cups. When the whole Black Art Matters blew up, like we, it was order after order after order. But you couldn't get anything shipped. But I just had everything sitting in the studio. So wow. I, just the timing was popping. And so after that, I had I slowed down a bit because I was like, look, I need time to paint. Like I wasn't trying to necessarily <laughs> become a like manufacturer. Yeah, much cheaper, like, yeah. Sheesh. Um, <laughs> but I love having those items because not everybody can afford an expensive piece of art. Right. And we don't offer everything on print. Like there's some pieces we don't print and there's some pieces we do print. But, you know, it's a good opportunity for somebody who maybe doesn't have two thousand dollars, but has thirty five dollars to right, be able yeah. to like still support or still rep the art in some way. Yeah, that's, that's a great idea. yo. So you, As, you put you, know, you putting it all together. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Layer. Yeah, that's what's yeah, I'm about that business. Yeah, school for what? You don't need to go back to school. Let's see. Look, see, see? <laughs> well, all right, it's all my right. daddy's fault right here. <laughs> He's out. Man, I remember I was like fourth grade and he made me read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Like, who's in fourth grade reading that? And like taking notes and whatnot. And so then I got older and couldn't get a job because he's like, you do too much in your job interviews. And I'm just like, that's your fault. Like, <laughs> what else am I supposed to do? So. Yeah. So, so setting up a business, I, that's been like a really opening. It's opened up a lot of doors for us and a lot of opportunities and options. And that makes a lot of sense, yo. That, that might be another podcast. We have to <laughs> bring you on and talk more about about that process, because, uh, you know, going forward with the podcast, I am trying to give people more like advice, and especially hands on people that have done it. Uh, and you sound like just the person that I need to. <laughs> Discuss I would with, love so. to because yeah, like her. diversifying is everything and I have a biz I have a group on Facebook that's just a business group that I'm just I post them because I'm I study every day like when I'm sitting on the computer working 
I have podcasts playing about, you know, how to increase your Instagram, how to increase the way that you're engaging people, how to think about your pricing, how to have conversations with customers. Because like, you know, we have to be learning. We have to learn our market. We have to learn our business. And we have to, I think people sense when you're confident and they sense when you're desperate or afraid. And so, you know, when you say it costs this much with conviction, people respond to that. For sure. For sure. For sure. Tell them where they can find you, yo. So my website is terrellartsdc.com. That's T-E-R-R-E-L-L. And there you can see virtual tours. There'll be um, archives up in the next month. Um, The new merchandise line will drop. Uh, and the new shows will drop in June. Uh, right now, though, there's still merchandise and the show from the color section. Uh, you can also follow me at Sudeka. So that's Z as in Zoo, S-U-D-A-Y-K-A. I am the only one on there. <laughs> so <laughs> if you type that in, I am going to pop up, smiling face and crazy glasses. And uh, <laughs> that's the best place to follow me because um, I'm constantly putting up new work, new sketches, new videos just like pictures of my kids all kind of stuff you could really see what we've got going on and what we're doing there that's right the one and only sudeka she gonna holla at you yo <laughs> appreciate you <laughs> coming on the podcast yo thank you for having me I'm, i must tell you before we go that this has been a goal of, for me for a long time like I, <laughs> I got my publicist three years ago and my publicist asked me for a list of 10 things i wanted to do and studio noise podcast is <laughs> on that list so i'm checking this off i'm like yeah we yes. about to blast this everywhere <laughs> i hope That's you crash your sight we about to go so hard <laughs> That's what's up, yo. I love it. That's it. Another episode of Studio Noise in the Bag. Big shout out to Sue Daker for coming on the show. The one and only. I think we friends now. (laughs) Had a lot of fun with that one, yo. Uh, Make sure y'all come back next week. Next week, we're switching it up. We got Lauren Jackson Harris. You know, our favorite from Black Women in Visual Arts. She's going to interview me, your boy Jay Barber, about the show Fullness. I teach y'all about that kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? All my artists out there, y'all just keep getting ready. Keep making that noise. Your time is coming. Believe me. I'll see y'all next week. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Studio Noise Podcast. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Please take a second to rate us and write a review to make sure everybody knows about the noise. Follow us on Instagram at Studio Noise Podcast.